Hi folks, and thanks again for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. This is a conversation I had about 10 days ago with Senator Lynn Boylan of Sinn Féin in relation to animal welfare and puppy farms and the work that they're doing to try and create laws instead of guidelines. If you're listening, if you like what we're doing, and if you want to come along to our live shows that are on the Sunday afternoons at 12, join us on patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack, where you will get access to all of our content, all of our back catalogue, all in one place, plea free. You don't have to listen to me beg, and unfortunately beg, I must. I know it gets a bit cliched, but we genuinely do need your support. We have no ads, no sponsors, and we rely completely and utterly on you, our listeners. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting. Please join us on patreon.com forward slash tortoise And I won't delay you any further. Enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Echo Chamber podcast. My name is Tony Groves. And because it is before 2 p.m., uh, I am flying solo. So uh, I hope Martin is feeling a little bit better. He Genuinely, folks, he has... He, he, He's on the downside again, and we know hospital is coming soon. But anyway, we do uh, we do hope that, that, that maybe this time he'll get the treatment he requires. And I don't, I'm saying that all that I'm in the hope that people who are listening might put a bit of pressure on almost because it's really pissing me off and him off that this has gone on now. But I think this will be the ninth time he's been in hospital this year, only to be patched up and sent home. Anyway, that's enough of that. I I I, I got into Shakespeare when I was twelve, which is a bit weird. And I often think of, you know, I think the first thing I read was The Merchant of Venice. But funny enough, I did love Romeo and Juliet. And I often think when I saw yesterday, this bill was published of um, a Lynn Boylan, who is our guest here, the Sinn Féin senator, when she met a Bichon Fries that openly votes Fine Gael. That the the Montague and Capulets, um, how that how that that unlikely combination has led us to where we are. Lynn, you're you're going to choke me for that, but you do know <laughs> Cooper is a gailer, yes. I really don't understand your hatred of Bichon. <laughs> I have I, it is a definite problem I have, but I, I and I'd love to tell you I'm getting I'm getting help for it, but I'm not. You're not. No, I'm, I'm indulging <laughs> in it. Listen, um, I'm glad we started with a smile because. This isn't a something a laughing matter to tell you the truth. It's something that you've been talking about for a long time. It's something that we've we've known in Ireland has been taken advantage of uh, and also seen as an area where where we know the treatment mistreatment of animals can can actually happen because of poor legislation. So do you want to give uh, listeners an idea about the Eroctus report and what you are what you are hoping to see in terms of changes, particularly around um, dog welfare? Yeah, I suppose I'm the on the agriculture committee, and it's uh, a very nice bunch of lads <laughs> that I'm on with them. Um, but in fairness, I suppose the focus mostly of that committee is, as the name suggests, agriculture. Um, but when I joined, I kind of you know made the point that look, whether you like it or not, we're responsible for the animal health and welfare uh, legislation, and therefore we should be looking at it. It's ten years old, and. Uh, you know, let's do a, ser- a series of hearings to see is it fit for purpose and what needs to happen. Because I think one of the things in Ireland we're very good at is, is introducing legislation and then not forcing it. Um, and everyone had hailed the Animal Health and Welfare Act of 2013 as a, you know, groundbreaking. And it and it it, it, it was certainly put in place a lot better than what was there before it. Um, but yeah, so we, that was the suggestion. And in fairness to the committee, they have facilitated all of the requests that I've had. So we've had eight months, um, nearly a year of hearings. And this is the culmination, the report now of those 
hearings with all the stakeholders and identifying gaps in the law where the law needs to be better enforced and then just calling for new introductions as well. So just moving with the times, basically, because unfortunately with, with dog welfare, it's like whack-a-mole. Mm. But it is like whack-a-mole, yet we also know that some of these issues, we've known about them for a long time. Like specifically, if we were to talk about something like that you've spoken about a long, long time is the the forced breeding of, 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 of bitches and the puppy farms. And, you know, what are we looking, how are we looking to tackle this now? How are we looking to change this in, in this current, um, it, and I want to say it within this administration, the term of this administration? Yeah, I mean, and the thing with the puppy farms, unfortunately, Ireland has the, the record of being the puppy farm capital of mm. Europe. Um, and yeah, you're right. We know we know what the problems are. One of the things is that the guy their guidelines, and that's exactly the problem, their guidelines for what they call DBEs or dog breeding establishments, but as we would know them as puppy farms. Um, so they're not even legally binding, but they're they set out a series of guidelines. But there's there's huge issues in it. And I think that what frustrated me most, and that's probably what sparked the me going to the committee was I had a, a quite an oral question with Pippa Hackett, who's you know, in the Department of Agriculture, asking her about the online sales because during COVID we were seeing everyone mm-hmm. was going mad buying their dogs. And I was saying, you know, how, how can you, you know, what, what can we do to tighten up the online sales? Because these are puppy farmers who are selling, but they're packaging the, the puppy up to look like it's been, you know, born in the back of your kitchen and mm. sleeping by the range. And her advice was, do, you know, basically do your research before you buy a dog. And you're like, you can't do your research because you're not enforcing the laws that are in place around the online sale of adverts. And even now, there still has been not a single prosecution case for fake advertisements. So, yeah, so that kind of, I suppose, highlighted the the issues of concern around that people think, and okay, look, we all say adopt, don't shop, but there are always going to be people who want a pup or want. I a would say the majority. Breed. I would say the majority, the vast majority, and 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 it does play, play into it. And when I, I have seen the same people advertise similar litters with the same advertisement three months later, four months later, with basically, you know, um, and as you say, it looks like you're going into uh, um, someone's country kitchen. And Yeah, and in some cases, they're hiring Airbnbs. Really? Literally just to set it up. And yeah, and they'll get rid of the litters and then the next family will come in. So it's a, they're very sophisticated. But the problem is you have one set of regulations where they're supposed to have their the license number mm. on the advert and the microchip, but they're putting up fake numbers. And of course, <laughs> you know, you're then telling the people at home go in, go in and identify this as a fake number. Mm. So um yeah, so I mean look, I, I'm not excusing I think there's lots of people out there who don't care. They'll buy a dog from a puppy farm, but there are people who are genuinely thinking they're doing the right thing and it's impossible for them to know that the dog they're buying is actually coming from a puppy farm that could have hundreds of breeding bitches that very rarely see the light of day or any human contact. Um, so one of the measures in the report calls for a cap on the number of breeding bitches. Now, it didn't set the number, um, but it does call for, for a cap and it also calls for the ratio of staff to be reduced. Mm. So you've at the moment, the guidelines are one to 25 breeding bitches with one staff member to 25. One to 25. When you can, and you consider one of the establishments had as many as 500 breeding it, bitches? Exactly. And if you think that it's one to 25 breeding bitches, that does not include the pups. Mm. 
So, I mean, you have dogs. I know how hard it is to look after one dog, yeah. trying to, to look after that number. So that we're calling for a reduction in that. And again, the welfare organizations pointed out that they would operate really on a, a one to six mm. in, in all of those shelters. Um, and they're not even dealing with breeding bitches as much. Do you know what I mean? They wouldn't, all those dogs. But how pregnant. lucrative is the business then? Uh the Dogs Trust, when they came before the committee, reckoned about 187 million euros in dog sales in 2021. And because we're not enforcing the, the regulations around the online sales, there's a lot of uh, a lot that revenue are not capturing. Yeah, so absolutely. it's very, yeah. very lucrative. Yeah, I'd imagine it's very recalcitrant is one of the words um, uh, when it comes to some of these issues. I mean, the, the last time I actually bought a dog from a breeder was was El Tate, the big dog de Bordeaux. And I recall going to the house. I recall um, visiting with the, the meeting the breeder, meeting the, the, the sire and the bitch and then seeing the litter um, and then actually finding out the vet who delivered them. Uh, you know, and going through all of that rigmarole, but for, as it was, that was enough to know that this was not a situation whereby. But um, you know, I think I think that was that again. Uh, El Ben was just that was it was was an adoption from from the DSPCA. But but the other thing is the cruelty to animals um, aspect of this. So obviously, in those conditions, it's not exactly ideal for for pups. It's not it's particularly not good for the for the for the dog that's been bred from. Um, it's not a healthy thing to to be. I'm gonna use this awful phrase, but a photocopy machine. Um, you know the, the that's and and we we see these things. Some some of the other aspects you've you spoke about is is cropping of ears and that. Can you talk a little bit about the cruelty aspect in this? Yeah, so that there's a number of things that are happening now, and some of them I wasn't even aware of. Now the ear cropping. It's now associated with, I suppose, a lot of the what they call the bully breeds, so those bulldogs, and they're they're carrying it out. I suppose like years ago when Jack Russell's and other dogs had their tails cropped, it was an aesthetic that us as humans were looking for. Do you know what I mean? Like if the dog is born with a tail, then it clearly needs the tail. And in the same way, if it's born with a certain set of ears, they're the ears it should have. Um, and they're, they use their ears for communication. But so what they're doing is they're, they're cropping. Um, and these are not untrained professionals. They're not vets because it's illegal for a vest to carry out this procedure. Um, so they crop the ears uh, when the pup is very young. It's then, you know, it heals up, but it has lifelong impact on the dog itself. But the problem with the law is because it's illegal for a vet to carry it out, but it's not illegal to own a dog with cropped ears. What the, again, the likes of the ISPCA were saying is that, you know, you have to catch the person literally in the act hmm. for them to prosecute. Uh, and so what they're calling for, uh, which again, other countries have done, is that you would bring in a ban on the ownership of dogs hmm. with cropped ears, but you'd have to have an amnesty because there's lots of people who've even got dogs from rescues who unfortunately have had their ears cropped. Um, but yeah, so you would bring that phased in ban so it would be illegal to own a dog. And also they called for a public awareness campaign because again, a lot of people are not aware you know, if it's done, some of them are very, very crude, but in some cases you mightn't mm. even be aware that the dog has had its ears cropped. Um, so it should just become socially unacceptable to have a dog with, with cropped ears. I mean, that's where you want to get to, but you have to allow for the fact that there are lots of dogs out there in this, loving homes that have of, cropped ears. Some of this isn't, again, you know, you, you talked about the, the breeds that specifically do that. Some of it, are, you know, there was done as... Um, 
in a more gory sense, some of the things, some of the functions that that, that serves in terms of maybe fighting dogs, that's the, the ugly side of this. And some of it then became an aesthetic, you know, particularly around some of the breeds where they, they crop tails, that became the standard. So if you're going to show a dog, there was a standard and they wanted that. And 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 unfortunately, a lot of those standards actually came, you know, the, the kennel clubs, you know, wanted that. I, I, I remember a lovely big uh, Rottweiler that couldn't turn a corner because he had no tail. <laughs> and, um, you know, they need the bloody tail. But, but yeah. the standard was that, that, that they get cropped. Can I... Can I ask though on the on 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 those sort of are we talking about sort of hopefully phasing this process out and just is it a public awareness thing then that we try to do it that way? Yeah. So I, what they they said was, and in fairness to the department the officials themselves, when they came in, they said they are looking at it because they're they're seeing. I mean, bulldogs are popular at the moment, so they're seeing it. it you know, more more of it happening. But what they're they're so they are considering changing the law. But you would have to I suppose have that initial rolling out of a public awareness campaign and, and saying to people why this is not the right thing to be doing to dogs and it is actually a form of animal cruelty and you know for emotionally for the dog as well as physically um, and then changing the legislation and also banning the showing of the dogs so I mean mm. so, as you said these bulldogs are being shown with their ears cropped and it was goes back to so it's harder for another dog to bite them by the ears for dog yep. fighting, but it also makes them look more aggressive and more fierce to have the tiny little pointy ears rather than the floppy ones that that they they come naturally with. So that that's that's on the radar of the department, but it's good that the committee have called for it. One of the ones that the, the big achievement that that I was delighted to get through um, is the ban on the surgical artificial insemination, which I didn't even realize was a thing that's what i was about to say to you I, I was, well, before we come to when i saw that and i thought to myself going my word is this was this where we where it is like it's gone to that level of you know that's the sort of stuff you associate with it with horse studs or something you know yeah i mean the surgical involves putting the dog under general anesthetic making an incision going into the you know inserting the the straws in then sewing the, the the poor dog back up and then the dog of course is pregnant which is putting pressure on the wound yeah. as it's healing and then because it's being used now in breeds that because it, it sort of was quite common in the greyhound industry yeah. uh, and partly because if you're using frozen sperm it's better it takes better if you do it this way uh, and in the greyhound industry they were using the sperm of dead dogs so uh, so that's why it was initially kind of a practice that was quite common there um but it's now gone into the puppy farms because you have those flat face breeds that don't breed naturally yeah anyway um but the other problem is and, you're and we've seen that shrinking face uh aesthetic it, coming in <laughs> oh and it's you know they have again lifelong problems because yeah. we want them to look a certain way but if they can't breed naturally you're then you're doing this process um and then the dog of course can't deliver naturally because of mm. the big heads so you're yeah I, you're cutting I, the dog open I, again I, to deliver I, by section i remember i mentioned i mentioned big old lug tate tate was the smallest of his litter and uh, but it wasn't it's not totally uncommon in a in a breed like the bordeaux for a required c-section because the size of their noggins but that's the natural mastiff head mm. you know that's the and and if the litters no there was his was a natural birth i want to stress but but you know having spoke to the vet they said in in some cases with, with those whereas in the other side as you said this is a difficulty in breathing that that we're that we've been making 
you know, I, I think in terms of like the micro pigs, people go, oh, how did they do that? Well, they just kept breeding them smaller and smaller and smaller until they got these um, uh, non-virus, uh, you know, that they're, some of the worst aspects of have been genetically modified in in true breeding. In, yeah, and it's similar with, with much of this. To the and point even where, the Pomsky, like, yeah. the, you know, they're crossing Pomeranians with Huskies. So, you know, that's just not going to happen naturally. And then that dog is confused between whether it's a lap dog or a working dog. So you've got um, behavioral issues, but also then skeletal issues. Um, mm. Yeah. So it, it's Frankenstein stuff. So I was delighted that we we did get that amendment across the line to call for a ban on, on the practice. Can can just ask you then overall in the industry, and I mean, when I say the industry, I actually want to talk about more the dog's trust and the and the 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 adoption networks and the the rescue centers of which there are unfortunately a need for more and we you know we see this how have they been you know advocating and how have they has has have you had much feedback over the last 24 hours from them yeah no they and they've been really really helpful in fairness all of the organizations were there yesterday for the launch so they've they've welcomed this because I suppose the, the beauty of it, the Oireachtas report is it's cross-party. So, you know, they're able to point to it every time now to try and pressure the government to act on it. And we're hoping to have a debate with the Seanad um, to hear what the minister's response is going to be. But they have been very helpful. But And I, I suppose they're identifying new issues that are coming. As I said, it is like whack-a-mole, unfortunately. And one of the things that struck me recently when I went out to visit the new dog pound in Dublin Mm. Um, was that at that stage, and it's a few months ago, but it was 30% of the dogs that were being surrendered was due to the housing crisis. So it was people with notices to to, to quit mm. uh, or that their landlord, they found another, pro- another, another tenancy, property, but, but they, they, wouldn't take. they weren't allowed to take the dogs. Mm. You know, and, and that's, that's horrific for the family who's losing the loved pet. But equally, like we have a housing situation now where there's children growing up without having access to owning a pet. And mm. I think any of us who've grown up with animals know you know, that has an impact on empathy and all of those things that having a pest teaches you as a child. Um, so I think that's one of the areas I'd like us to look after yeah. this report is to look at that. And then the other issue is the veterinary bills. The cost of living crisis is hitting. And we've all these people who've bought pets that have come with all the inbred uh, mm-hmm. conditions and they can't afford to treat the animal now. So they, so you're seeing animals being surrendered for those reasons now and the shelters are already dealing with the, all the surrenders, the post-COVID regret dogs. Yeah, it's terrifying when you put it in that terms because I know, I know we know of a woman we've had on, on this podcast who um, was living in her car because the, the place that she was evicted from uh, and going to wouldn't allow her have her pets and she wouldn't give them up. She yeah. wouldn't give them up. And it's, it's you know, this should not be happening. And and we have, we, we have a long road to travel when it comes to that. Like, like I say that as someone who's gone, you know, I've traveled, sailed and railed across Europe with Ben, my little Jack Russell beside me on and off, on and off boats, on and off ferries, on and off trains across Europe and major capitals everywhere he's gone. And you just can't have that. There's not that. That's not. That's not something we do here. You know, we just yeah. don't have it. And I mean, it doesn't make sense. It's whether it's cultural or what the situation is. But we do need to move much quicker towards that model whereby it doesn't. You know, the 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 it. And it, you know, it's, I'm going to say it's not ideal. Logan, some some places, are, you know, they insist that you bring um, a crate with you to, to if you're bringing the dog on. on but, but I've never, I was never once, whether it was in France, Spain, Portugal, anywhere, asked to put the dog in the crate. 
So yeah. the, the odd person asked me, have I got it? And I have had a collapsible one, you know, and it, I, I literally look it over your shoulder and, and to say, have you got it? And I just show that and then you go. And it was way, that's all they wanted to know that just in the, in the event of, and I sat on a train um, for, about, what is it? Six and a half hours with a few stops with several other dogs <laughs> and a carriage. And it was, it was great. And that's the thing. The dogs are used to being yeah. in that environment. So you don't get them I mean, barking at each other to sort of become accustomed to it. Whereas in Ireland, like, you, you know, even if you're going off for the day and you want to bring the dog, you're kind of mm. then planning, is there anywhere you can actually go and have lunch on the way back without having to sit outside and freeze? That's it. So, and, that- and in some places you can't even sit outside. No, no, that's, that, that's so it in a nutshell. It is. Um, I do want to ask you one more question. I um, haven't yet read the book, but what's your chapter like in Shane Ross's book? Is it is it is it good, or did you are you happy to have that he portrayed your your vision of um of Mary Lou in in, in a favourable light, or or how has it been received? Well, I'm just waiting to hear back from RTE when I get my 15 minutes <laughs> constitutionally guaranteed interview. Um, yeah, I haven't read it. Yes, no, unfortunately, I, it's on uh, the bottom it's, of of a list of books. <laughs> I, I've, I've, uh, I, I, I am very upset about it because obviously, as someone who who rails against getting deplatformed all, all the time by deplatforming himself by making myself un, unpalatable to others, it's totally unfair. But uh, yeah, it was an interesting. An interesting way. I think it's genius marketing, though. It's is probably going to shift more books on the basis of please read my book, which I'm going on a marketing campaign that tells you I didn't actually get to speak to the significant people that the book's about. But nonetheless, yeah, um, the sense of entitlement that, you know, someone who didn't ask you to write a book about them should cooperate with you is something well, I, I, I suppose the one thing I will point out, and it's been well made now, but the Taoiseach's intervention was really um, inappropriate and and I know he's rolled back on it, but it's an unusual situation. And, and as um, uh, Owen Daly, the constitutional lecturer in NUIG points out, used to be an issue when, when you uh, had to cl- correct the doll record. Used to mean something. Yeah. No, no, 100%. And also like the, the, him talking about the chilling effect. I mean, this is a man who is in government at the time when, you know, has sat in government for years and has done nothing to reform either the libel laws or even the the ownership of media. And, you know, mm. whereas even my report at the time that highlighted the chilling effect that's, yeah. you know, that a certain individual was having on uh, on media and did nothing at all about it. But when it's, you know, politically... Yeah expedient for him to get up and talk but it was I do think the fact that he would you know go into the doll and say that and not knowing that what he was saying was true on, um, is yeah yeah it was a strange one just on, on I'm going to end on, on a high note I've been invited to the um, Irish Independence uh, Halloween party and I am going as a, a opinion poll so that should scare the shit out of them all I um, thought you'd go as a priest <laughs> And say mass for them. <laughs> oh, now listen, folks, we leave it there. We're back on Sunday. Thanks to Lynn for her time again. Uh, and again, the message always comes across is, is adopt, don't shop. Um, please do. There's a lot of there's a lot of puppies, a lot of dogs, a lot of pre pre loved dogs. Uh, we, we we've seen around and and even and Bijans. <laughs> I didn't want to say that. I'll edit that out, folks. Talk to you all very soon. Take care. Bye bye. Tony and Martin, Martin and Tony, speaking to interesting people only. It's the Echo Chamber Podcast. Subscribe.
subscribe now on Patreon.